welcome to that F1 podcast. This week we are doing our Drive to Survive special. I'm Jess. I'm Chris. I'm Charlie. So we recently released a bingo card on our, onto our Twitter account, which quite a few of you have liked already. So go to that if you haven't already. But we're going to basically talk through the points on our bingo card and discuss if they've been ticked off and how they've been ticked off. And if they haven't been ticked off, then what on earth Drive to Survive missed? Okay, so the first thing we're going to talk about is Daniel Ricciardo thinking about his future. In this season of Drive to Survive, Daniel Ricciardo was seen travelling from Renault to McLaren. It was something that was, it was in season one, I think. It did it quite a lot when he was making the jump from Red Bull to Renault. So I think it's just, Daniel Ricciardo is quite a um, lively character in the paddock. So I think that any time there's anything going on surrounding him, I think we'd see, we saw a lot of that. Um, it was clear that early on he didn't, kind of since the decision was made his relationship kind of deteriorated a bit with Cyril but you could see him getting gradually closer to McLaren but it was quite nice the way it kind of rounded out with him getting every like there were no burnt bridges or anything like that yeah it was nice I mean it was a bit repetitive but then is there an episode of Drive to Survive that doesn't involve Daniel Ricciardo I don't think so and it was it was really nice, actually, to kind of see Cyril, obviously the team principal at Renault, kind of wearing his heart on his sleeve a little bit during his interview and saying, actually, that it did hurt him a bit. Because you do kind of forget that these are just people at the end of the day. And I think that they thought Daniel Ricciardo was going to stay at Renault for a bit longer than he did. But if you look statistically at kind of, obviously, McLaren finished third in the Constructors' Championship last year and Renault finished in sixth. Oh, it was fifth or what was it? Was this Ferrari were fifth? Really, they got pipped by Ferrari. I don't know. <laughs> it was last season. I don't know. They were lower down. They were lower down than McLaren. Lower yesterday. down. So Take actually, that. it is a jump for him. Whether it was a good one or not, I don't know. I think it possibly could be, but Cyril definitely disagrees and think and openly said it was a bad idea and saying that he was going to regret. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one to say the least. I think they seem to do okay in pre-season in the testing. He seemed to have a pretty good time despite setting the third lowest amount of laps. Uh, but it seemed to be pretty much what McLaren wanted to happen, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, moving on to the next point then. So we've got to talk about this. And obviously this one was one of my comedy geniuses put into the bingo, which was I was I said racing point. Really what I wanted to say was Lawrence Stroll, but you kind of can't. So racing point pointing out the obvious differences between their between their car and the 2019 Mercedes. This was mentioned so much. I mean, it was, you know, you could see who was spearheading that effort to try and get them, to try and get the FIA to look at that. But, uh, yeah, it was a really interesting talking point of literally like the, the whole second episode. I think, Chris, how did you think, what did you think about Lawrence Stroll, considering we you, you're kind of new to F1 and didn't know too much about him? I really liked him, the way he was like, yeah, I'm new, I've got a load of money, I've bought this team. And then just everything he does, every other team hates him for it. It's like... So there's a load of like traditions and like things you do out of respect for the teams. And he's like, I don't care. I'm new. I've got money. We're doing it this way. Uh, I really liked it. And like wherever he went, he always had like people around him as if like to protect him or like because he's a threat and he's going to snap at any moment and hit someone. He, he reminds me a bit of like a Disney villain almost. Like he's just this big, loud guy who it, the one scene that always sticks with me is his defense of the um 
the racing point where he sat in that chair and it, it in a weird way yeah in a weird way it looks almost like a hostage video and i was a bit there like this is really weird and he's just ranting at the camera and i i was but he's just like I think he's been really constructive for Racing Point. He came in at a time of great need, and there's no doubt that it did benefit Lance quite a lot. But getting the getting the team to where they are now, getting the win last year and the double podium back in uh, Bahrain, uh, and then securing the Aston Martin sponsorship for this year, there's no doubt that he's definitely been a driving force for them. But yeah, he just seems to be this polarising character on the grid, and I think that... He's definitely kind of one of the more notable guys there now. Yeah, I was going to say the same. Like, he is definitely a character. And that kind of is what F1 needs. If you're not a character, then you you don't really stick. You know, you just kind of slide off quite slowly. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it was definitely needed at Racing Point. After the whole VJ Malia allegations, um, it yeah, it wasn't the best environment, especially with at the time as well. I think it was Ocon and Perez were having a bit of a, a wobble as well. But yeah, I think Perhaps going into, season two, I think. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. Um, but yeah, going into the twenty twenty one season, I think it's going to be. I think yeah, Stroll will learn a lot from Vettel. I think there's been yeah. some speculation that Vettel might be past it, but I think if this car is genuinely a good car, it, it, they'll learn a lot from each other because I think that. Lance isn't he's not really the the paid driver anymore there's you know bigger fish to fry in that department at the moment definitely but I think that he's definitely come a, come a long way I think he's almost similar to what Perez has done Perez came in as this paid driver but then a couple of good showings in this first season he went to McLaren he's been a very steady driver and he showed that last year but yeah I think that on the whole, it's going to be a big year for them. Yeah. Talking of steady drivers, my next prediction, well, our next prediction on the bingo, was Gasly going from zero to hero, even though the show literally made it about him going from hero to zero last year. Yeah, I I thought that that episode was in a, I thought it was staged in a really weird way, because you see him, he's in the car on the way to the track, and he's reading a document or reading a press article saying that, He's not, not going to get the Red Bull seat. And then 24 hours later, he's, he wins the race. And it's all a bit, yeah. It, but wouldn't that be bit. great if that genuinely did happen? Like he ran oh, yeah. thought, screw you kind of thing. Like I can yeah. definitely do this. I, I, but I, I, I get that, what you mean. It kind of feels too good to be true. Yeah, I think that it was definitely a good decision to follow him, given what happened last year. Um, I think he put out a piece yesterday in the Players' Tribune. It's really heartfelt, really, really, really good, good piece. Yeah. Um, uh, if, yeah, if anybody's got a spare, it's, it's it's a reasonable read. So if you've got a spare reasonable. time. that I very rarely read news articles from the start to the end, every word. But I tell you what, Pierre Gazzi knows how to write. Oh, I was talking length. I wasn't talking quality. Oh, I was yeah. going to say, it's, it's a reasonably long piece. So if you've got five, ten minutes to spare um it's a really good piece so yeah I think that again he's another driver who this year is going to be a big year for him I think one good year there's enough there's a fair few drivers on the grid who are reaching potentially the end of their career with likes of Kimi and you've got some of the older drivers at better teams um Alpine maybe with Alonso but um I mean it's two French drivers at a French team it, 
even though Ocon and Gasly stereotypically don't get on too well together. Um, but it's going to be he's going to have a big year, hopefully, and he'll be able to free the shackles of Helmut Marco and Christian Horner and the yeah. Red Bull. You can only pray for that, can't you? Because yeah. when you see a young driver that's been put into the Red Bull machine and then spout the other end, you can't help but feel, just let them go be free. Yeah. <laughs> You're never going to take them back. Just let yeah. them be free. <laughs> it is painful, but yeah. Moving on to one of my, I mean, I wrote this one, but my favourite bingo things I've ever heard in my life is um, lots of appearances from Gene Haas, but obviously only over the phone. Oh, <laughs> it just frustrates me. What did shock me, though, and put me in a spin, was on one of the episodes, he was interviewed. He, he was there. Gene Haas is not before. some kind of sentient being that just appears when he wants to. Most it of the time, he's, most of the time, he's getting Gunter Steiner to do his work for him. And yeah, no, it's just weird. The whole situation at Haas just seems like Gunter, Ste- Gunter Steiner's team were just watching it happen. Definitely. I wonder when he's going to be head mechanic. And it's just weird because Gene Haas is such a big name in American motorsport. And they've got such a successful run, I believe, in NASCAR, I think it is. And they've had ventures into other series. But it just seems like F1 might be a step too far for them. Yeah. The problem is, is that the problem is, is that F1 is quite European. It is. The team is European and they're all based in Europe. I'm not sure having an American team particularly fits, but they're trying to make it fit. So good on them. And I really hope it continues because we need Formula One to be diversified. You know, mm. we need teams to come from all over the all over the world. Otherwise, I really don't think it's an international competition. No, I think that they're, they're talking about bringing in a race. I mean, looking at the Grand Prix we currently have as well. If you look at this year's character, character calendar, um, it is predominantly European venues. I mean, we've got a couple in Italy, but. You know, it would be great to see us go back to South Africa. I know there's talk of that happening and there's more, um, you know, despite the, I was going to say less than favourable um, human rights record in Saudi Arabia, that would be putting it very lightly. Um, it's good to see more races coming up in making it a, a worldwide spectacle, opposed to it just being all the teams are based in Europe, all the tracks are in Europe, will race in Europe on European timings, have done with it. Yeah. It's nice to see even talk of it becoming more of a worldwide spectacle again. Exactly. But Chris, yeah. what did you think of Haas in general? Just the people that are there and the drivers they had. But I like the idea that the guy in charge is just this man on the phone. Like, he's the villain of the week. It's, in a like, really weird way. It's like, it's like deal or no deal with the yes. bankers. <laughs> <laughs> You've got fucking <laughs> Noel Edmonds. Is it Noel Edmondson? It is, yeah, Noel Edmondson's there knocking on Gunter Steiner's door going, here you are, Gunter. We've got an offer for you. We'll give you, like, a, we'll give you a Mick Schumacher and you have to make the rest up from there or we'll take both your drivers away from you and you'll have to start from nothing. That was one of the best... <laughs> That's so true. I, I've never thought of it before, but it it's, it's just that's all it is. If you've got poor, 
poor Mick Schumacher is just collateral in this. He's like one of the crowd. He's like one of the um the stage hands who's just having yeah. to like run around doing everything. But I think oh, this year is going to be a really tough year. If they have stopped. Uh, I heard when watching the testing, I heard that there was speculation that they're already bringing new parts to Bahrain for the race, despite them not doing any further work on them on the car for this year. And it all seems to be this one big mess. Uh, I, I, it reminds me of Williams 2017. Do you remember when they turned up to testing and they didn't have a car? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was not a good look. Anyway, they've at least they've done one. They've done one better than them. I mean, it doesn't matter that the car looks like a Russian flag. Yeah. But you know, it's it's one of those, isn't it? it you've seen teams do similar things in the past. It hasn't gone yeah. well for them, but they've certainly done similar things in the past. Yeah. Hopefully, so, they can come back this year. But last year, most of it was Gene Hass on the phone. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Got got images of Gunter Steiner waking up in cold sweats to phone calls from America. Which he definitely does. Think how yeah. expensive they are. If they're trying to save money, maybe he should just call less. Yeah, the reason why they're broke is because Gene Haas is making too many international calls. He's decided <laughs> he's he has a budget allocation for international calls to Gunter Steiner. He's got, you know, those um really off topic you know those countries that have like the te- telephones that connect one another like direct yeah. line it's like that and Gunter Stein has got one in his house and yeah I bet he didn't agree to it I bet it just arrived one day he was just there he, he was having a lovely <laughs> day that I don't know about anybody else but I ticked this one off on our on our bingo but I I don't know about anybody else but being how freaked out by how normal everything was in March 2020 like hugging what's hugging yeah, I was. It gave me a large amount of anxiety watching the, the run up to the Australian Grand Prix and then like taking the mick a bit out of out of the coronavirus. And I was just there, like, this is things that have aged poorly. This yeah. is top ten. Like Daniel Ricciardo in the back of that Renault car. Yeah, so like, and are you wearing a mask? Did you wear a mask? No. That terrible interview they got Lando Norris to do. Oh, oh yeah. God, yeah. And they asked him, they were like, just, you know, be considerate. And they're like, okay, so if someone in your team has got it, will you keep driving? Yes. <laughs> Literally, like, <laughs> so I, love, I love, from a comms perspective, which obviously we all are, I love watching, I love it when they have like the head of comms involved or a press officer, because I just love watching the other part of it. Yeah. And I loved the fact that he was briefed on exactly what to say when that question comes up. And they asked the question, you just sat there like, yeah, probably. And they were like, no! <laughs> from, a, from a comms perspective, the whole Ferrari and Sebastian Vettel saga I, as well. Just comms of Ferrari, what a woman. I would have like, left. I would have been... A job on her hands. It was just how... It was, oh, it was just how Seb just didn't care. And you could tell he didn't care from such an early stage. He made the announcement he was leaving on the same weekend as Ferrari's one... Fa- was it was it one thousandth race? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Imagine. And it was the way that we got to see that table meeting where they were sat there and she she was like, Obviously we believe you've released it because Perez released last night. And he was like, Yes. Yeah. That's 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 exactly why. Exactly what I did. You are correct. (laughs) He was like, That's the truth. (laughs) Yeah. The truth is it, Seb. (laughs) My favourite one was you can't be too funny considering the result in Belgium. He goes, I think we should be funny. 
that nicely goes to Seb calling out Ferrari at every opportunity with Charles silently sat next to him. If that was not the moment of the entire series, I don't know what was. In I that feel bad for, just I sat feel there. genuinely bad for Charles. In my, I feel sad for every other driver at this point. I just feel bad for him because he was just sort of caught there between these two then it didn't seem like ferrari had their act together at any point this year in any no. capacity and no. seb was actually saying something but charles couldn't because he knew full well that he has a contract yeah one of my favorite bits was so my partner who i watched it with he is not a formula one fanatic so did not get any of it and he was like oh wow that's so good of like for leclerc to have that long contract and i was like no 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 no, 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 no. they've given he him the long contract there. because he's stuck there <laughs> not because it's a really good team to be in <laughs> two years ago she'd be saying something different but at this current moment he's shackled there yes two years ago they wouldn't be giving out those contracts <laughs> no. Really? Because when I watched it, I was like, oh, they're pro- they're obviously getting rid of Seb because they want to like they want to get rid of the old and they want to completely start again. That's not the case. They're just trying to spin the narrative. Oh, yeah. Ferrari's not in a good place at the moment. Like their track performance has not gone well. But yeah, they, they definitely I would like to have thought that maybe they got Seb out because of that reason that you said. But I would then thought Seb probably like picked up his bag and was like, that's fine by me because of the situation they were then in. <laughs> yeah, the rat jumping the sinking ship. Anyway, exactly. are you guys ready for Chris's quiz? I'm ready for the quiz. Yes. So okay, yes. ready. Right. My first question. I really enjoyed making these questions, writing them down as Drive to Survive was going. <laughs> okay. How many wins has Bottas got in Formula One? Jess. Let's go, Jess. Seven. Charlie? Um, ten. I'm going to have to give it to Charlie. The answer is nine. No! Yeah, he had... Uh, that's from 2017 to 2020. He's had nine wins. I don't think he had any in 2018 or 2019. He didn't have a single win. No, that doesn't... strikes me as completely completely correct. Yeah. The like, whole second episode, or the third episode, is just... Him being really bitter about not winning. <laughs> um, right. Question two. Oh. In Ferrari, who was replaced? Sebastian Vettel. Jess. Go on, Jess. <laughs> Carlos Sainz. It's Carlos Sainz. Yay. Well Jess. <laughs> okay. Question three. Come on, Charlie. You've got to get this one to get a level playing field. In the Austrian Grand Prix, Lando Norris got his first podium, but he had to get a gap ahead. Or no, he had to close the gap to Hamilton. What second did he close the gap by? Charlie. Oh, I think it's Charlie. Oh, he had to close it by five seconds and did it by 4.8. He was like in there by 4.8. He hit the nail on the head first time. Point goes to Charlie. Damn it. Right, we're at 2-1. Okay. Who is Racing Point's new chairman? Jess. On, Charlie. Jess. <laughs> Lawrence Stroll. It was Lawrence Stroll, yeah. <laughs> okay, it's three for one. So I'll make this last one for three points. Oh, no, don't do that again. <laughs> oh, God, it's, 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 it's suspension. It's tense. 
Well, at least make it consistency as well. Okay, right. I'll make it two points. So you either win-win or it's a draw. Thank you. Okay. Actually, no, I'll make it one point, but there's a bonus point on it. I'll just read the question again. <laughs> <laughs> Who had the fastest lap in 2020? Jess. Come on, Jess. Max Verstappen. Charlie. Um, Lando Norris. <gasps> oh, my God, Charlie. Yes, it was Lando Norris. Right, there's a bonus point in it for you, Charlie. Okay. Um, what track? It was or oh, I take it was, what, it's what track or what time, if you know either or. It was the Spielberg ring, the Austrian Grand Prix. Uh, yes, it was. Oh, my God. Do you know the time? Um, oh, I, I'm going to take a stab. Is it like one minute? It's, oh, it, is it like one minute eight or nine? Oh, my God. <laughs> Jess, do you want to come in with a rebuttal? Oh, I thought it was 1 minute 28. Oh, you're miles off, Charlie. It was 1 minute 7.475. Oh, <laughs> oh, my God. So, at the moment... I guess it was... Um, is one last to lap Lando, wasn't it? Oh, God. Last lap Lando, first, first race. I did not know that was the fastest lap of the year. Yeah, yeah. The Aust Austrian track is the smallest one, I think. I didn't think about that. Oh, that's so annoying. I just thought that was the quickest. Oh, yeah. oh I'm gutted. <laughs> Wait, what was the results? Oh, what of the quiz? So, uh, Charlie, because it was only it was one with the bonus point, so he's drawn it. Yeah. So it's one to Jess, and then uh, it's yeah, it's nil to Charlie because it was a draw. That's fair. Mm -hmm. Give you that one. And then we'll make like a grand prize at the end of it. I genuinely cannot believe you just got that bonus point. I only know it because, oh, this is going to sound so sad. On the F1 game, the lap time around Austria is like one minute, seven, eight. And I just guessed. I was like, what do I do? You were only game? out by like 0.5 of a second. Yeah, it's because it's Lando... It's because he had to do it for the. It was the same race that he cut the record, um, cut the lap time by Hamilton. He had to do it on the last lap because yeah. he had that one. And then the week after, he did that. He did three. No, was it three or four overtakes in the last lap, last two yeah. laps? Scenario seven. Scenario seven, last lap, Lando. Oh, I can't believe that. I am so gutted. So on that note, I'm going to talk about it next week and then do our predictions. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, this weekend, now coming up, we have the first Grand Prix of the year. We have the Bahrain Grand Prix. Are they in the inner or outer ring? Uh, it's the just the usual one. I don't think we're using the outer ring this year. That's, that's good. The inner ring then, which is the nice one. Um, so, we're going to be there and then we'll release our podcast on Monday. Um, so, predictions. I'm thinking about my predictions now and I don't know. <laughs> So we're I... going to predict who we think is going to get pole position, and then we're going yep. to predict who we think will win, come second, and come third. So I'll make I'll start if you want. Okay. And I think on pole position will be Bottas. You know what? Bottas. I, I saw his ass last week, so I feel like yeah, let him have it. <laughs> um, I think the winner will end up being Lewis Hamilton. 
I think second will be Max Verstappen. I think third will be Bottas. But then I'd like to say that I think fourth is going to be like it's going to be Sergio Perez, and I'm excited for that. I think it'll be Hamilton, Bottas, Verstappen, and I reckon Hamilton will get pole. Uh, I want, having watched Drive to Survive, I did feel bad for Bottas. So I want him to get pole and I want him to win. Um, I want Hamilton to, you know, pop a tyre and not finish. I want, uh, where's Seb on this? I've got the chart in front of me about all the teams. Where did Seb move to? He moved to Martin. Come on. Yeah, sorry. I'm learning. I want Seb to come second. And then, who's the young one? George Russell. Yeah, I want George Russell to come third. I like him. He's got a cheeky face. Brilliant. The most unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Chris. Yay. <laughs> well, we'll see you all next week. See you later. Bye. Bye. See you later. Bye. Bye.